Alright everybody, welcome to Talking Taker, episode number 56 of our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio, I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, by my fellow creature of the night, by my wrestling buddy, Mr. Travis White, and Travis... It is interesting that we are talking about this particular show today. Of course, we're covering Backlash 1999, the final In Your House pay-per-view, the Undertaker's matchup with Ken Shamrock we're going to focus in on, and all the build-up leading up to it. But in actuality, man, this is our hashtag MeToo episode of the podcast. <laughs> I guess you could call it that, yes. That's what we'll get into. Yikes, man. Who knew? All over the place. Yeah. Yeah, all, a lot. This is you can't do this on television anymore. So no, a lot of workplace sexual harassment going. On. <laughs> yeah, they need a Michael Scott intervention here. So <laughs> <laughs> actually, that make it worse. Yeah, it would. Bad. It's funny, but it's true. And we're gonna cover all of this uncomfortable buildup leading into <laughs> a, a match that the crowd was uncomfortable to watch. But we're, you know, we're gonna get into talking about all of that here as we talk about. Backlash 99, and Taker and Ken Shamrock on here. We're going to dive right into it, uh, but before we do, man, I just want to give a quick shout out to a fellow podcast. Uh, I got to listen to it today. They are the Wrestle Special. They are at Wrestle Special on Twitter, and uh, I'm sure on all the other social media platforms, but, you know, Travis, when me and you started this podcast, you know, our whole idea was to try to do something a little bit different than your yeah. standard wrestling podcast. Uh, so I appreciate what the Wrestle Special is doing. They've kind of got this debate format. It's like high school debate class. They pick a topic and assign out different arguments to the uh, the different hosts on there. So this week they had an episode oh, cool. all about The Undertaker and the different eras of The Undertaker. And each guy had to try to defend which era of The Undertaker was the best. So I highly recommend it to all of our fellow creatures of the night out there to go enjoy that, to go vote on it, which era they think was the best, who made the best argument out there. Uh, but I bring that up uh, because I feel like, you know, I want to plug it for one thing, but I feel like it ties so much into what we are talking about here, about the different eras of The Undertaker. You know, we're talk we've talked about his rise and, you know, all the different ways that he's evolved uh, into the character that he is, and now he's evolved into this dark, uh, mysterious, evil character, the leader of the Ministry of Darkness, the Lord of Darkness, uh, whatever all the nicknames he gave out last week were. <laughs> yeah. But uh. all of that history, all of that awesome stuff about Undertaker, I feel like in just a few segments that we're going to cover today is just about thrown in the trash through some of the comments that they made. They take all of the Undertaker's character, they take all of his buildup, and they just ignore it, or they act. They say none of that matters anymore, and I, it's just so frustrating to me. And I want to just set the scene for that as we talk about this stuff. I don't know if you felt the same way. No, I absolutely do. And we, you know, when we get to that particular point, we'll definitely hit on that. But yeah, it's like when yeah, you've invested all this time, you know, in this character. And that's what we're doing, and then to be told eh, it's fake or whatever, you know, like we know it is, but you 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 don't want to be told that, you know. So just like you don't want to be actually like once you know how a magic trick's done, it's not impressive anymore. It's like, oh, I kind of liked it. 
not knowing, you know, better. But um, yeah, like if we were like we always keep talking about writing a book of Undertaker and have these new chapters. It's like if we got to this next chapter and we're like, oh, by the way, forget the first fifty-five chapters we just wrote. Those don't matter anymore, and yeah. it's just it sucks. So, it sucks. It's like when they reboot your favorite TV show or uh, movie or, or take something out of the canon of a movie series or, you know, comic book or whatever like that. It just it blows. So right, we're going to dig into the build up to Undertaker and Ken Shamrock with Raw episode 305, March 29th, 1999. And this is the Raw after WrestleMania. It is the traditional hot crowd. Uh, you know, it doesn't quite have that same aura that Raw after WrestleMania has nowadays, but it's still got a lot of big stuff going on here, setting up the next few months and even the next year of storylines and everything like that. But Stone Cold is going to come out looking good in his black t-shirt tucked into his black jeans here. <laughs> and Page out of Bischoff's book. <laughs> <laughs> he is going to pay off something that we told you guys to pay attention to a few months ago. Yeah. Back when Stone Cold gave Mr. Man... Uh, or, well, where Vince McMahon stole Stone Cold's Smoking Skull Championship belt, I believe, at Breakdown in your house, and said he was going to go put it on <coughs> the mantle in his Greenwich, Connecticut home, or uh, the mantle of one of his many homes, I believe is what he said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now yeah. Stone Cold is going to come out here after winning the WWF title at WrestleMania 15, and he is going to give Vince McMahon an ultimatum to go get that Smoking Skull Championship belt from his house in Connecticut to paying off that storyline thread from over seven months ago. And I just thought that is so fantastic. Oh yeah. You got to appreciate that, man. Cause we're going to get into some stuff that's Russo rific and is stupid, but this is Russo at his finest. You know, we, we get the highs and the lows of him here because yeah, this is great paying off a seven month storyline right here, you know? And again, the reason we're mentioning it to guys is because I know it's stone cold and Vince, but it all plays in because Vince is going to have his hand and, like we've mentioned last week, he's dealing with everyone on the roster. It's going to get even worse here, as we discussed. There's going to be more people he's going to be feuding with. So we have to mention this kind of stuff, too, as we're going, because Taker will play, play into it eventually. So Because he's kind of entwined with the corporation, and that's kind of who his feud is with. So um, I do want to say, when Taker arrives here, the ministry arrived backstage, and Michael Cole says, What in the age are they doing here? What's the ministry of darkness doing here? And I was just like... They freaking work here, you <laughs> moron. They're under contract as wrestlers. From, yeah. To borrow a line from the Disco Inferno, you are a louse. You're a louse. What a moron. They work <laughs> here, you stupid idiot. Why would you ask why they're here? W what you should be asking is why weren't they here earlier? Exactly. <laughs> why does everyone get here late during this Attitude Era? Well, There's one episode of Rob we're going to cover that Austin doesn't show up to the last five minutes. That's your champion. He shows up five minutes before the end of the show. So, anyway. Paul Bear didn't realize what time it was because he was wearing his sunglasses at night as he was walking into the building. That was probably part Big of the Corey. problem. Big Corey. Big fan of Corey and Corey. Yeah. <laughs> Corey and Corey. <laughs> Isn't that who sang? One of the Corey's sang sunglasses. Corey Hart. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's Corey. not one of the Corey's. <laughs> no, he's the third Corey. It's Corey, okay. Corey, and Corey. <laughs> um, man. People I see. I got to go back to last week real quick because I can't believe I forgot to talk about one of my favorite moments from WrestleMania where Paul Bearer is the one that's raising up the cell when the <laughs> boss man is hanging in it and they cut to yeah. him and he's just like gleefully pressing the button on there just repeatedly yeah. like mashing the uh, the joystick <laughs> on there trying to raise the cell up and it's just he's just on screen for three seconds but I laughed out loud when that happened and no, I totally forgot to it mention it as we were going through everything because there was so much to cover and there's so much yeah. to cover this week but I didn't want to forget about it. 
Yeah, that was entertaining as well. He's just he's so good, man. He's so good. He has a couple good things here in this build up too. We're gonna get to so. Um, but yeah, this night as well, we get the debut of Stephanie McMahon as an actual character on screen. So we've mentioned her, uh, we've mentioned her name, we've seen her, saw her talk, bump into Stone Cold. I think that was two episodes ago. We talked about how she bumped into him and right. just kind of said, he asked her a question. We didn't know who she was, but here she actually debuts as a character. Um, Vince tells Stephanie to basically get on the phone, call the house, get the smoke and skull belt here as soon as possible. And, um, yeah, there she is. There she is, and The Undertaker is actually going to focus on a different woman here tonight, at least at first, because the ministry is going to interrupt a showdown between Tori and Sable to a huge pop. <laughs> the crowd is excited yeah, to see them interrupt this. This is It's Sable and Jackie versus Tori and Ivory, and this has got to be one of the worst matches I've ever seen in oh, my life. Absolutely. I mean, not even kidding, like, Take every indie show or every national fairground show I've ever been to. Like this is one of the worst matches I have ever seen in my life. And then yeah, when the when the lights go out and the ministry comes out, the crowd pops. They enjoy the fact that this match is going to be interrupted because it sucked. So um yeah, it's crazy. The Undertaker goes straight after Sable. He tells her, "Don't be scared. I, I came out here to see what you got." So you know, <laughs> I guess the Undertaker does like hoes after all. <laughs> He calls his old friend Charles, the Godfather. He <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to see what she's got. It could have opened the most recent edition of that magazine if he oh. wanted to. But um, she tries to grind, and he does not have it. He chokes her instead. So I'm not sure what he's into here. He's Fifty Shades of Black, I guess you could say. But um, anyway, um, he says, "I got you." He's talking to Vince here. He goes, "I got your precious little meal ticket." And then says, I want you to come out here right now before I snap her ahead. And uh, you better come alone. So I guess he mistakes her for a crawfish or something. So <laughs> pop the head off. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what's going on. Well, of course, all this is to get at McMahon so he can get McMahon's attention and basically distract him so that he can go after his actual target, which is, of course, sure. Stephanie. Uh, and he succeeds in his mission. Uh, Vincent Man comes out. He's saying, what kind of man are you, Undertaker? And then Vince all of a sudden realizes he's made a mistake because by coming out there into <laughs> the arena, Vince has left Stephanie vulnerable. He's fallen into the Undertaker's trap. So he runs backstage, and somehow, even though she's been guarded by security guards, even though Shane McMahon was in the dressing room with her, somehow Stephanie has been kidnapped out of the locker room and Shane doesn't understand what's going on. The guards don't know what's going on, but somehow Stephanie has been kidnapped. Yeah. And so I, I don't really know how that happened. I don't think we really get the payoff of that here either. Do we? I mean, well, we, uh, King we, alludes well, to the fact that the acolytes were not out there with the ministry when they came out. So right. perhaps they did it, but who knows how, because exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean, because Shane never says, well, Acolytes came by, or Bradshaw stopped in for a you know financial chat or something like that, or Farouk stopped by to talk Florida State football. He didn't say anything like that. He just would never get that. That's a, kind of a dangling thread that's just left there that nobody really pulls on. But um, I do I do want to say this. So after this, we got Vince, and he's mopey backstage, and he's like you know all sad, and his daughter's been kidnapped, but why am I supposed to feel sympathy for him? And I just, in my notes, I just wrote sympathy for the devil. Like that song by the Rolling Stones. Like, you know, why am I supposed to feel sympathy for Vince McMahon? 
he's Vince McMahon. He's a maniac. He's, I mean, his character, he's a maniac. He hates Stone Cold. He wants anybody but the, him to be the corporate champion. He, I mean, he spent a year, well, almost two years at this point now, right? Since right. basically the Montreal Screwjob being the most overheel in on the planet so i don't know i don't feel any sympathy for him here i mean i guess i'm sad for stephanie but not for vince so. yeah that's the problem we talked about last episode and yeah it's gonna be a huge problem with trying to care about anything that's happening in this episode too or, or this uh yeah the, this episode talking taker all the stuff that we're gonna cover here absolutely yeah and just then we get some more mopey events um and his phone rings and as you guys remember last week we talked about his phone ringing and it was undertaker calling from his house Basically saying, hey, I lit a giant cross on fire in your front yard. Well, here it is again. And I, I can only imagine that it's got to be Speed Dial 3. So we got Speed Dial 1 is the Druids. Speed Dial 2 is the Orderlies. Speed Dial 3 is Vince in whatever closet he's in at, at Raw. And so Taker he, he rings the phone and it's Taker and he says... Vince ends up sending Ken Shamrock along with the Stooges on a mission to find Steph somewhere out in the arena. Yes. They're looking all over the place. Uh, and the big, you know, another big part of this is that because Vince is so distracted by all of this, he doesn't care about anything else in the show. So Shane right. McMahon is asking him, well, what are we going to do about The Rock? The Rock's got a match tonight. And Vince tells Shane he doesn't care. The Shane can do whatever he yeah. wants uh, for the corporation for the rest of the night. Vince's only mission is to find Stephanie. So that's going to continue to build over the next few weeks as well. Yeah, so that's kind of setting Vince up to kind of, you know, take his hands off of things and not care or whatever and maybe, you know, we'll see how this plays out, but another thing too is that Big Show faces Test. Again, they were former members of the corporation together, but the night before at WrestleMania Big Show got arrested or whatever. Um but this basically sets up yet another feud for Vince McMahon with someone on the roster. That's Big Show. You know, he's he's like, you know, you don't owe me all this stuff. And I'm just, it's just too much. There's too much Vince. Way too much. Is he a heel? Is he a face? When should I care for him? When's the sympathy? Where do I get heat on him? Where do I, you know, where does he get the babyface shine? I don't know where it's supposed to go. It's very confusing. But I do want to say, speaking of babyface shine, when Shane comes out with The Rock for his match against Billy Gunn, he is is a baby face. Yeah, the Rock is over, but he's I mean, he's he's a heel, but he's a heel, but he's not. I mean, he's an enormous baby face. The crowd loves him, and it's just he's so freaking entertaining, man. Yeah, he so. gets cheered throughout this whole month, and yeah. I mean, he's gonna be a baby <laughs> yeah. face by the end, by uh, the next few weeks from now, officially. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So well, Shamrock does end up figuring out where Stephanie is after he faces Gangrel and tries to <laughs> beat the life out of him to get the information. But Gangrel doesn't give it up. Instead, nope. the Brood ends up trying to save Gangrel, give him a bloodbath. But the bloodbath doesn't even phase Ken Shamrock. He is out of control, losing his mind. He grabs <laughs> Christian, and Christian immediately squeals that Stephanie <laughs> is in the basement. So a crazed and blood-covered Ken Shamrock runs to the back and finds Stephanie in the basement, in the boiler room, basically, with the Undertaker's symbol marked on her forehead, her makeup smeared as if she's been crying. She's in hysterics, and Ken Shamrock is able to return Stephanie to a very emotional Vince McMahon. <laughs> 
Oh, very emotional. I mean, I think he's cursing up a blue streak. I think they had to bleep some stuff here. I, honestly, I know they bleep some stuff in a future episode, but yeah, he's letting it, letting those four letter words fly. And um, is there anything better than a crazed, blood covered Ken Shamrock? Absolutely not. <laughs> on, on a warpath, <laughs> like, dude. It's, I can so talk good. about it now, but uh, you know, I, I love Ken Shamrock. I, yeah, I, huge Ken Shamrock. Mark, uh, I was excited to get to this match. I think he's underrated in his run. It's crazy to me that you know, he was really only there for about two years in the WWF. Yeah, no. Give or take a couple months. Feels like he was there for a lot longer. Uh, I think he just has such a natural charisma about him. Yeah. Uh, enjoy his work. Uh, it, only thing, he, he sucks on, on the mic. <laughs> he can't oh. cut a promo to save his life. But uh, yeah. he reminds me a lot. I know that MMA connections are there, but he just reminds me a lot of Ronda Rousey. Just, you know, sure. a little bit awkward at times, yeah. but still just a natural charisma. Everything he does feels real. And I always enjoyed him. I uh, wish he would have stuck around uh, a lot longer, that we could have seen him some more. I'm glad we get to cover him on this episode. Yeah, no, me too, man. It's been, yeah, because his first thing was that. Um... WrestleMania 13 referee the match, right? right? That was his first real thing. So, yeah, it's been just, just a little over two years that he's been there. So, And he won't stick around too much longer. So, yeah, yeah definitely underrated. I'm looking for – I always use his knee pads and his kick pads of my creative wrestlers <laughs> on <laughs> No Mercy and stuff. So there you go. They were just really good. You could use different colors on it. It was really nice. Anyway, moving on. Um, yeah, like you said, uh, Vince has got Stephanie back with him. And then we see a limo pull up, and this limo driver runs out. We, we learned in a few minutes what's what, – Excuse me. Learn in a few minutes what his actual name is because uh, he brings a smoking school belt in there, and uh, Vince is consoling Stephanie, and he tells Abdul to re- return the belt. Um, so I just like that the the limo driver actually had a name. He wasn't even like a Middle Eastern guy, but his name was Abdul. He's a white guy. His name is Abdul. I loved it. So um, I don't know anyway. who wrote that. Yeah, I don't know. But um, he says he's Vince says he'll always be indebted to Shamrock because of this, and he says this night is far from over as trauma is concerned. And he orders Shane to give the belt to Austin. He's going to consult Steph and take her home. And um, eventually, at the end of the night, Austin never gets his belt back. So no, that, that's going to be the yeah the storyline between Austin and Rock for this whole month. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to take us into heat on April fourth, nineteen ninety nine, episode thirty six on the WWE Network. And this is what I was talking about at the beginning of the show. This is where things just go off a cliff for me, in my opinion. And that's because Vince and Stephanie are going to have yep. a very serious sit down interview where they're going to discuss everything going on with the Undertaker with. The king, Jerry Lawler, of all people, who's going to conduct this interview, which I was flabbergasted at first, but then I realized, well, I mean, who else would be the foremost expert on creepy activities with younger girls than the king? He's the perfect person to do that interview. Hey, oh, oh man. Oh, yikes. Yeah, you're right. He's the perfect candidate for that. But um, I thought maybe... They chose to do this with King because last time he did a serious interview, he wound up making fun of how Paul Bear had Undertaker's mom. To yeah, whatever. I'll leave Slipped that there, in the salami. Yeah, that was, that, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so speaking of that, before we get to the interview, I mentioned last week on Talking Taker that don't don't worry, you boss man fans. He's going to come back from the dead very shortly, and he does here on Heat. So this is a week after WrestleMania. He comes back on heat, and he returns him to dead, I guess, and he defeats Draws, rips, nut, rips out of his nose ring. So 
I forgot about that angle, but um, that was gross. That's going to lead to Prince Prince Albert coming on to our screens as well. So, well, that's, yeah, but yeah, that's part of my problem here too. Is that but Big Boss Man, and they say this on, on commentary at one point. Big Boss Man is in action for the first time since being hanged at WrestleMania. Yeah. <laughs> listen to that sentence. <laughs> the Big Boss Man was just hanged yeah. at WrestleMania, and he's going to be wrestling seven <laughs> days later with no effects. You're basically telling exactly. us nothing that happens matters. Why am I supposed to care yeah. about what just happened with the Big Boss Man where he was hung and it looked like he died, and he's just back. No big deal. Seven days later. He missed yeah. one episode of Raw because of it. They're calling it a demonstration. That it was this psychological attack. What does that even mean? Like, he was literally hung. <laughs> yeah. And by having him just back there, you're telling me as a fan, nothing matters. And that's what this interview with Vincent Mann and Stephanie McMahon is going to do in a much bigger way. Yep. Well, Vincent yeah, this Mann, is. Uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say this is uh, great because we do get a clip of the oil painting hanging in Vince's house. Yeah, so you can see the part famous of it, or man. infamous or yeah, you can see the oil painting of himself he has on his wall. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, King asks him to explain everything that's been going on, and Vince takes us back to a few weeks ago. He says. All of this with Undertaker started with that envelope that he passed on to Shane McMahon that we talked about here on the show. He says he finally reveals that in that envelope were candid photos of Stephanie McMahon in her bedroom invading her privacy, which is gross. And then (laughs) Vince says that the teddy bear that Undertaker set on fire that Paul Bear gave him was Stephanie's when when she was a child, which means that the ministry broke into their home to steal this teddy bear. And then Stephanie goes on to talk and say that she has found strange things written on her mirror and her personal things invaded when she got home the other night. So the Undertaker is, or or the ministry someone, is taking pictures of Stephanie McMahon in her bedroom, stealing her teddy bear, and invading her personal things, whatever that means. So the Undertaker is not just this evil, dark, mysterious dead man. He is... A creepy sexual predator now. <laughs> creepy old guy. Yeah, because if you guys remember when he started this, you know, he got buried alive. He came back and he's this kind of darker ministry taker. And he said, you know, I'm coming to take over the World Wrestling Federation, Vince. How does creeping on Vince's daughter, you know, like, how does becoming a pervert help you take over right. the WWF? If anything, it make you get kicked out of it because exactly. you're a freak. So, it's actually, yeah, yeah. So I don't get it, but um, yeah, it's weird, man. It's weird. So I feel like we need an episode to catch a predator and to set up the ministry to catch them. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it were just that, if it were just that grossness, you know, I would roll my eyes at it, but I could get over it. But this next part is what really just pissed me off. Yeah, so here we go. We got Vince McMahon getting all shootsky over here, and he's basically saying that, you know, I've known Undertaker for about a decade, and the Taker has now, he's changed. Um, he starts, he's believing this creature that he's created. He's become this creature, and he has people now following him. He said, I, he says, I've known I think he uses the word cretin, doesn't he? He's, a, he's yeah. become a cretin. So that was been on the war day calendar there too. <laughs> so, but and then he goes on here. He has other people believing in what he now believes in. He has people following him. He has, and I don't, I don't know what he wants. I don't know. 
I mean, if it's just about business, I've known him for a long time. I've known Mark for a long time. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if I should say this or not, but there's a term in wrestling that is like sometimes living your gimmick. I mean, you yeah. you created The Undertaker, and now it's like... Yeah, it's but the, the, the difference is here, he, he is believing now. Right. And this transformation, he's believing in, in who he thinks he should be. So it's just, bye-bye, kayfabe. See you later. <laughs> You know, I hate all this, this. Like you so said, t- uh, nine years of history is just like, oh, by the way, none of that actually mattered. So, yeah, yeah it sucks. He's calling the Mr. Man calling Undertaker by his real name by Mark. Right. I don't, I don't ever need that. I don't want that. I want the Undertaker to be mysterious, to be different. I don't need him to be joined in all this realness that's going along. And basically, what what you're doing here is you're saying, well, you know, everything you're saying is everything on the show is fake except for this. This is real, right? Which is right. like this Russo thing. He did it a lot in WCW. I felt like when he was there, mm-hmm. all these worked shoots and all this sort of stuff. But like, he, like you just said, we're throwing away all this stuff by saying. Vince McMahon created the character of The Undertaker, that he's been this right. gimmick for a long time, and now he's buying into it. Are you telling us that, okay, does that mean that Undertaker and Kane are not really brothers? That Kane right. is not really Kane? <laughs> that Paul Bear is not really Paul Bearer? Like, do you realize all of the stuff that you're throwing away by trying to pretend like The Undertaker is not The Undertaker, that he's just Mark and he just believes he's The Undertaker? Oh my god! I just was rolling my eyes, so mad about it. It'd be like if you were watching, uh, watching the next Avengers movie, and all of a sudden the the Avengers are like, "Dude, I think uh, I think Robert's really believing he's Iron Man. Like, he's really <laughs> buying into that character right there. He's, he's really believing. That. He tells, believes he's Tony Stark. Yes, yeah. I don't exactly. need that. I don't want that. I oh, it, it ruins everything for me. Right, and that's always my problem. People say, you know, wrestling's fake. I said, no, it's not. It's pretty determined. You know that I always say, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is not Tony Stark. He's playing a character. But again, like you said, in the movie, they don't cut the fourth wall here and break the fourth wall and say, you know, hey, by the way, I'm Tony. I'm, I'm playing a character, Tony Stark. Don't try this at home. Like you don't have to do that. You know, we understand. We bought in. Those of us who are wrestling fans, we understand what's going on there. We don't need you to tell us. You know, and like you said, it, it, it it's a slippery slope because how much do you want us to then unbelieve you know how much unbelief is necessary at this exactly. point you know so yeah it, it sucks man it definitely sucks and i and i i forgot why i disliked this era of the undertaker so much and i think that this might be it because it was just too over the top and then, then, then they told you it's too over the top he believes his own hype kind of you know and i think that may be why i dislike this so much so um, cause it's, it's one thing for when CM Punk and Triple H were feuding, you know, eight years ago and it's like, okay, Paul, let me tell you something. Okay. Phil, like that's one thing. Undertaker's Undertaker, you know, he's right. on a whole nother level than he these is. guys, you know? So, you know, that's, you know, there's time and a place for this shoot stuff and this kayfabe breakage, you know, when it comes to, uh, the Undertaker. Yeah. He's, I'm, he's be protected. So. I, I'm not saying you could never do it. Like when, when right. CM Punk did it, he pulled it off. Uh, that you yeah. know, the pipe bomb was a beautiful thing, and you could buy what he was doing. This, I don't buy any of this. I don't buy that Mark is suddenly just obsessed a with pervert. Stephanie. It may is, is this pervert? Because then he's going to say that 
Uh, Stephanie's gonna say that Undertaker has been sending her pictures. <laughs> I've I've known Mark too, and uh, it's it's like Dad said, you know. I I guess I just never really did know him to shake hands with someone and you know have friendly conversations, and then all of a sudden, you know, start sending you pictures and you don't need to go there which i don't even know what that means uh, in 1999 he's not like sending her <laughs> cell phone pictures he's like going uh, to revco and getting get the pictures developed and mailing <laughs> them Rev- to her we're gonna get re- sponsored by revco that's the second time we're name dropping <laughs> oh man i got bad news for oh you. but yeah but um yeah, because she even says, you know, Mark has always been friendly with me, and I've known him for a long time, and we've always had friendly conversations, but now I've received pictures. I don't feel safe at home anymore. I just feel safe when I'm with my daddy, which that's another weird thing. But, um, you know, Vince basically said, and he's in super somber, like, serious Vince mode. He's like, if this doesn't stop, someone is going to get hurt. He's not doing, like, someone's going to get hurt, pal. Like, he's not he's not that Vince man. So, it was just, man, it's surreal to see this and weird to me how it mirrors the DDP stalker angle. Yeah, I thought that, of that we're going to see with Undertaker, who apparently they had some heat there with that whole thing. So it's just weird how that's not even two years after this and we're going going down the same well, just on, you know, shoes on the other foot there. So kind of weird. Very, very strange and very, very frustrating and just, ugh, I hated watching it. But, you know, in a lighter note, I just want to talk about something that uh, someone else that's been popping up on these shows recently that's on this episode of Heat. It's a guy named Lucas. And Lucas is the WWF.com reporter that I had completely blocked out of my mind. I don't remember this guy (laughs) at all. But how would you describe Lucas? Uh, If anyone's ever seen October Sky, he is uh, the nerdy guy in October Sky, who's also in major pain. <laughs> he had to shave his head bald. He has the ears that stick out really far, whatever that character DJ name Qualls, is. DJ Qualls, the new guy? DJ, or that guy. Yeah, that works too. That's DJ Qualls. He's, just, he's like, you could call him Poindexter, basically. Like, he's Poindexter. He's like this nerdy little dork chop from, like, I don't know, IT department or something. I have no idea how this guy's on national television, yeah. man. <laughs> like, and he gets guy made fun come. of every time he's on there. Too. Like all everyone that everyone tries to interview just like shoves him out of the way. He says, "What are you doing?" <laughs> I would too. <laughs> uh, I mean, be a star, people. But seriously, this guy was a dork, man. Like, I have no idea. But I guess he worked for .dot com, probably for real, honestly. Oh yes, yeah, definitely. He's a he's a nerd ball, man. If anybody knows but, um, more about Lucas or knows where to find him. Hit us up. Hit us up Please, on Twitter, at Talking Taker. I'd love to interview him for the podcast. Yeah, we don't have guests. We'd love to have a guest. We don't have guests because no one wants to be on it. But we'd love to have Lucas. Maybe he can help us promote the show. Sure, on .com. He's a tech genius, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's that's going to take us – man, we spent a lot of time on that Heat episode because it gets, it gets a lot of heat from you and me. And let us know, fans, how you guys feel I mean, about this breaking point. the fourth wall. It's a turning yeah. point moment for The Undertaker – right here as we basically find out that everything we've been led to believe for the past 55 episodes and nine years <laughs> is just all made up and doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. So <sighs> that brings us to raw, raw 309 on April 5th, 99 and backstage Shane is super excited about the show and Vince couldn't care less. He just said, I don't care about anything happening tonight. You know, um, I don't give a whatever about Austin, you know, and his belt. Um, he says, I'm staying with, Stephanie all night and you can be in control and he's got some cops in the room with him 
And I just don't even understand why the heck he's even at the building, man. If you're not going to come there, you're not give two craps about it. Why don't you just shoot something from home, then? Why you know? are you there, and why did you come with Stephanie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're so worried about her being attacked. Why are you there? Uh-huh. <laughs> that, and that's the whole storyline the entire night. Yep, yep. It's the whole thing. So, Because basically throughout the night, we get Shane on a power trip, basically. He's letting this little bit of power go to his head, and he's booking some stuff, and then he goes back to explain to Vince what he's done. And again, Vince is not watching his own show. So um, now, okay, we get another Me Too moment episode, or little spot here, because Ivory and Terry are in the ring, and Ivory rips Terry's top off. And as she does that, the lights go out. And Taker's music plays. Now, at this point, they get massive heel heat because last week it was a crappy match and the lights went out and Taker came out to save us from the boring match. Now we got some puppies, and so the crowd boos and gets massive heel heat on Taker here. So That's one way I will to do say, it. yeah, absolutely. Ryan Taker says that there's a little secret that I need to inform you of, Vince. Tonight there will be a sacrifice, and that actually gets a huge pop from the crowd. Just again, <laughs> reinforcing that no one wants to cheer for Vince McMahon of all people. They will right. cheer this evil guy <laughs> who is basically threatening to rape women and murder people over <laughs> Vince McMahon. So yeah. <laughs> Undertaker reiterates that there's he doesn't want to just sacrifice anyone. There's a certain beautiful young woman who will become one with the ministry. She will be taken from Ooh. her family. She will break her father's heart when she accepts the Lord of Darkness as her personal savior. Yep. Yikes. Yeah, yikes is all I can say, man. So, And he says Vince, there's nothing Vince can do about it. And even on commentary, King and Cole are like, this is too far. And I can't echo those sentiments enough. Yeah. So, it's too much. Uh, not the tag team, but it's too much. So... <laughs> But uh, that's not going to be his own Undertaker's only target for tonight either. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Because we're going to get, again, Vince is going to get some more security backstage at the Stooges. And then we're going to cut backstage again. And Taker is making Christian his whipping boy. Because if you remember last week, he's the one that ratted out where Stephanie was located. So he is literally whipping Christian with a leather belt. And I just wrote, that had to hurt. And I know Edge and Christian have talked on their podcast how when they first entered in, you know, they're like, we, we got put right in there with the ministry and with Bradshaw and Ron and Taker. He's like, and we just took our lumps and didn't say a word. And I think that's how we earned their respect. And I just got to say, Christian has my respect here. He's getting the crap beat out of him. Like, for shoot. <laughs> it's crazy. Absolutely. And I just want to point out that if you watch that scene, Bradshaw is over in the corner there just looking on with rapt attention and... <laughs> I feel like he's just definitely getting some ideas for the future by watching Undertaker whip Christian like that and, and punish punish the new guy. So Bradshaw he's like Mr. Burns. He's like Mr. Burns in The Simpsons, like his little long fingers together. Oh yeah, like, hmm, I, I could do this. Yeah, <laughs> that looks fun. Oh, this is how we, yeah, this is how we treat the new guys backstage. <laughs> so yeah, me too for boys too. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it does. It applies to everybody. Um, uh, Shamrock oh, is going to take on Viscera here, and poor Viscera doesn't even get an entrance, man. I know. He gets the Jobski entrance, man. He's already in the ring, jobber entrance, and so he didn't get to hear his rip off a Temple of Dog or anything, so that was sad. But this match, again, is prematurely going to end when the lights go out, and, of course, the Ministry comes out to beat up Shamrock, and Taker just kind of watches on from the stage like a proud papa watching all this carnage. 
And they go to take him to the crowd, him being Shamrock, and absolutely no one from the corporation even flexes a muscle to come out and help old Kenny boy here. But um, cut backstage, and Shane kind of has a maybe an explanation for that. Yeah, at least they try to explain it. Has Shane here says, yeah. well, this could be a trap, so let's just lay back and, and, and let Kenny try to figure it out on, on his own. Maybe the ministry is trying to do something with Stephanie again here. Yeah. Because he doesn't even say something to Boss Man, too, about, like, remember your neck or something like that? Right, again. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How could I forget? It's been eight days. <laughs> I was hung. <laughs> so, well, that's going to oh, lead man. to Ken getting tossed in the trunk of a limo and, and driven away. It could, they couldn't even, Ministry couldn't even afford to put Ken in a hearse here. Oh, uh, no. Really, really lame. But uh, so after they do that, then the lights begin to flicker in Vince's locker room. And we see the ministry plotting backstage some more as this is going to continue to go on throughout the show. We're bl- just blowing through storylines here at a breakneck pace. <laughs> and yeah. I hate it all. I hate this storyline so very much. But I do appreciate that this thread is being played out throughout the entire show. I, I miss that, man. When-, when was the last time that you saw a, a storyline getting all these different segments and playing out throughout one episode? The only thing I can see in recent memory is that when Brock Lesnar came back and was reading the Hunt, Hunter magazine backstage and stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know, like right before, was that a couple weeks ago? Anyway, like, yeah. but that, the reason that that stood out to everyone on the internet was because, hey man, they introduced it at the beginning of hour one and it paid off at the end of hour three. Like, how cool. And again, they just, we've talked about, oh, off of Talk and Taker, how everything just exists in like a little, its own little compartment on Raw nowadays or in SmackDown. It's like, oh, well, this guy did this in segment one, so he was not going to be seen from again the entire show. Well, like, no, like, there is a lot going on here in these episodes, and it's exhausting to watch it all and try to recap it, but it does make you hang on and watch the rest of the sure. show and tune in, especially when you're feuding with Nitro on the other show. You know, they're going to dangle this little carrot in front of you and say, hey, stay tuned because, you know, Taker and the boys are walking backstage. Like, you're going to see what they're going to do, you know? So I do appreciate that. There's, it's too little of it nowadays. I really wish they had more of that. So, But to go, to cap that all off, Vince is backstage and as the lights go out, he's on the phone, lights go out, and he's like, Stephanie! Stephanie! Yelling for her, so. But apparently, Stephanie's fine, uh, as we're going to find out, because The Undertaker and The Ministry are going to bring out someone covered up in a black sheet, tie them up to The Undertaker's symbol, and Cole and King are on commentary just going over the top, talking about, oh, it must be Stephanie, it must be Stephanie under that sheet, it's definitely Stephanie that The Undertaker's abducted, I can't believe he abducted Stephanie, which means that it's definitely not Stephanie under that sheet. So we actually (laughs) cut backstage and see Vince with Stephanie, so we don't know who it is under the sheet as The Undertaker just goes on and on and on, talking about how he's going to sacrifice a young girl here tonight, how this is all Vince McMahon's fault. Uh, He's ranting and chanting like crazy before finally taking the cloak off of the young girl, and we see that it is not Stephanie McMahon, but Ryan Shamrock. Yeah, I forgot she played a part in this particular feud here. I mean, I remember she was on the show at this point with Val Venus and Goldust and all that stuff, but I forgot she was going to play this part. I forgot she got sacrificed or symbolized here. So I don't. I'm not sure the crowd got it that they were that that was no. Ryan though. You know, <laughs> like because I, I don't know. It's the way this is lit and the way they're holding her on the like the symbol. It's not the best production they've ever done. Um, again, most of their stuff is really well produced, but this one's really awkward. 
Um, and I yeah. think that that gets lost in the live audience. Us at TV, we know because we have commentary telling us who it is. But when you're in a live audience, they can't react, you know, and you you kind of need their reaction to help you make it a bigger deal at home. So, um, yeah, it's weird. One thing Taker says here, we're talking about him being a predator now. He's like, he says to her, he's you know, because Kenny's in the trunk of a car. He says, you know, when I look into your eyes, I see you. When I touch your skin, I feel you. McMahon, it's the time that she comes home, that she comes to be one of us. We have to answer to a power far greater than we know, and he summons her. Um, and then Stephanie, it's time you come home. So he's, you know, you and using Ryan as a proxy for, or as a stand-in for, you know, Stephanie and touching her skin. It's just, man, how does that help you take over the WWF? No, it's <laughs> I just don't know. Gross and weird, and you know they're making Undertaker as evil as you can make him. I guess. Yeah. But, uh, God, I just, I just don't want to see this in wrestling. No. You know, I, I watch wrestling to not have to, to, like, to get away from stuff like this from the real world. Exactly. But, <laughs> Ugh. But uh, one thing at, at 32, people are like, "You still watch that?" I'm like, "Yes." Yeah, because it's safe and it's not depressing when I watch it, like the news is or every other TV show that takes life too seriously. Mm. It's fun. So anyway, go ahead. Well, a great example of that is the end of this show because yes. a super underrated Stone Cold moment, in my opinion, is when Stone Cold and the Big Show rip apart the Titantron and, and Big Show yes. tears it down all the way to the ground, and Stone Cold cuts it up with this giant hunting knife or whatever hook. Man, yeah. hook yeah uh i love that and moment they, it doesn't get talked about enough on that's one of my favorite moments from the attitude era honestly i, rem- I just remember vividly laying in my bed watching it you know as raw was going off and they share a little beer you know together and so big shows a, a face you know officially you know he got buried by austin a couple weeks ago on raw but you know in his first singles match but now he's you know a, a full-fledged face here i guess you could say even though he's gonna fight mankind in the pay-per-view for some reason i have no idea it's all confusing who's a face and who's a heel but yeah i'll never forget him pulling the titantron down and austin using that giant 35 foot pole with a hunting knife on the end of it to rip the titantron in half so that's that's some commitment for your craft man to be willing to rip apart a titantron just for oh, an yeah. angle you know I'm sure so, cost him a lot of money oh i'm sure but uh, i enjoyed it yeah you know what did cost a lot of money or, or i guess did cost an extra lot of money is um the um, production teams, they still can't spell Midian's name right the next week, or six days later on Heat. So this is Heat 37 on April 11th. Ken Shamrock's throwing things, yeah, Shamrock's throwing things backstage and yelling, which is apparently just, you can just cut and paste this scene for every episode of Raw because he does it every week. And Midian is defeated by uh, Kenny here. I'm going to call him Kenny because I do on commentary, which I love. Kenny Shamrock, it's terrible. <laughs> But Kenny Shamrock beats him with the ankle log, and he's just yelling, "Where is she? Where is she?" Um, which reminded me of the uh, like Batman voice, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, because yeah, he's asking where she is, and I guess he hadn't seen his own sister in six days. So. Yeah. Apparently, Ryan has still been missing ever since Raw on Monday night. But you know, Ken, he plays that unhinged, just crazy guy character so well, uh, and it was so over with the crowd. They loved when he would just lose his. Uh, loses crap on people. Uh, so he destroys Midian. He destroys some referees in the ringside area. He beats up the uh, beats up the stairs and the table and the whole ringside <laughs> area before cutting a promo saying, Business is business, Undertaker. But you don't mess with a man's family. Not my family or anybody else's. Mark, 
I want you to listen real close to me. I'm willing to die for my sister. Are you? More <laughs> attempted murder threats, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's oh. how you get somebody to tune in to Raw tomorrow night, I guess, in 1999. Yes. I guess so. And one little nugget that's dropped with us on commentary is Cole mentions that Share Market Taker will meet at Backlash in your house. So we get right. that official announcement here. But yeah, I don't know what. I'm willing to die for my sister. Are you? Uh, yeah, we'll see. You know, I might murder you tomorrow night. So <laughs> stay tuned. Stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned because we're going to get Raw 307 April 12th, 99. And somebody's back in the saddle again. Hallelujah. Praise God Almighty. <laughs> Jim Ross is back on commentary, <laughs> saving us from the days of Michael Cole and Terry Taylor. Woo. God. It is such a breath of fresh air to hear JR back, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, Shane McMahon is, is going to kick off the show, cutting a promo with the corporation. And he, before he even really starts talking, Shamrock interrupts him. And he starts screaming, asking where was the corporation last week when he yeah. was abducted. And that gets a big pop from the crowd. Shamrock standing up to Shane and, and asking the questions that we were wondering last week. But Shane tries to calm him down. He says he'll promise that he'll give him an explanation tonight. And after all, they're all in this together. Both of their sisters have been abducted by The Undertaker. And that reminds him that he wants Stephanie McMahon to come out here and talk to him. Yeah, which is very true. I'm glad they appreciated that continuity, and appreci- uh, I appreciate them mentioning it. They're both their sisters have been abducted by him, so they have you know something similar, you know, a, a similar dog in this fight here. And um, I do want to mention also that Mean Street Posse is introduced here, so mm-hmm. thank God for them. So Jr. and the and the MSP are, are here <laughs> on Raw. So anyway, but so yeah, like you said, Shane calls out staff to the ring, and Vince tries to stop her, but um, they take Detroit's finest here and they head to the ring. And uh, Vince basically asked Shane, is this a publicity stunt? Which, he's mentioned publicity stunt like four times on Raw <laughs> yeah. in the last month. So I'll, I wonder, they must be, I don't know, somebody must have been doing that like on the outside world to them or something. I don't know. He's still in here on their scripted show. So anyway, he says, this better be good. And um, Shane starts basically ripping his dad and saying, yeah, your priorities are solely on Steph. You're not paying attention to anything else going on. You don't care about the corporation anymore. And... Basically, he says that Michael Cole sucks, and you know you brought JR, I brought Jr. back, which I can't agree more. But um, the crowd <laughs> is chanting for Rocky and Austin, which just shows how much they don't care about this heel versus heel stuff, you know. And because at the end of this, basically, he says there's no room in the new corporation for Vince. The Stooges are old. He fires them. Accuses, excuse me, Vince is accuses Shane of being on a power trip. And basically everyone, like I said, is a heel, so how am I supposed to cheer this stuff? Again, we got Austin Chance, Rocky Chance. What are we supposed to be doing here? You know, this is how you kick off the show, and it's not that, I don't know, not that well-placed. It's so misguided, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And Shane Shane has done a lot of great stuff, but he's still very green here on the mic, in my opinion, too. And he seems legitimately nervous in this segment because he ends up slapping his dad, and I think he was like, for a shoot, nervous about having to hit his dad. He's kind of like, he's kind of flubbing his lines and talking over himself at a lot of points in this. And I think he's legitimately feels bad about having to slap his father. But 
that is the whole gist of it here, that Shane is making a power grab for the corporation because Vince is distracted with The Undertaker and his assaults and trying to take care of Stephanie. So that's the gist of all this. Uh, And Shamrock quits, too. Yeah, Yeah. Shamrock sticks with uh, McMahon and walks out with McMahon. Vince is going to leave and take Stephanie and go home, which is like, great. Why did you come in the first (laughs) place if you're so concerned about her? Uh, yeah, I know. And again, this part, you know, Shamrock's kind of been a face these last two weeks, and now he's siding with Vince, though. So is he heel? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. You know, it's just crazy. It's just all over the place, man. It's just too much, too much, too much. And But basically, Shamrock tells Shane to shove it in some not quite nice uh, language and uh, hand gestures. So... But um, we get another the, – the Taker voiceover comes back, and we get yeah. another horrible women's segment. Um, I don't even want to mention it, but it's, he says, you can run, but you can't hide. Basically, it's only a matter of time until Stephanie will be mine. And in her absence, another innocent victim will be sacrificed before the Lord of Darkness, and Vince is responsible for all of this. So, yeah, we got that going on. Um, and yeah. it happens again with a Big Show taking on Christian – is takers attentions are divided again it's uh, yeah all these multiple things happening here because whilst undertaker's feuding with vince mcmahon and ken shamrock and trying to have his way with stephanie mcmahon and every other woman in the world wrestling federation (laughs) he's also dealing with the brood and trying to punish them especially christian because he has a voiceover as big shows facing Christian, saying that Christian will have to prove himself to the ministry and orders Gangrel and Edge to go backstage while Christian gets beat up by the big show. Yeah, exactly. Get a, a really stiff choke slam, Really stiff choke slam um, in this match. So, And then again, we're going to get more of this gray area because we got the Acolytes facing Double J and Owen Hart in another heel versus heel match. Everyone's a heel. They're, Everyone's a heel. And this, again, match is going to break down. The brood interferes with the ministry. The lights go out. Taker's music hits. And, of course, JJ and Owen, Double J and Owen, excuse me, have Deborah with him. And so Taker's got Deborah in the middle of the ring. Um, says, it's not my fault. Vince has left me no choice. Grabs her by the throat. Says, um, I don't know what he says. Now you're going to have to do something, basically, I think. so. He says, how many um, of the innocent will have to suffer? Because yeah. tonight, Stephanie was to be my prize, and now, Deborah, you'll have to do. The Undertaker, the Harvey Weinstein of the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> but thankfully. Oh, no. Thankfully. Tell me you did not. I went there. Okay, you dig it. Thankfully, Ken Shamrock comes out for the save with a baseball bat, uh, scattering the ministry away, but the Undertaker stands his ground and stays with Ken in the ring and tells or threatens Shamrock that if you hit me with this bat, you will never see your sister Ryan again. Yeah, so you got to make a choice. You're going to murder him, like you said, on Heat, or are you going to see your sister Ryan again? So he actually goes to swing, so... I think I guess Taker should let him hit him, but he stops him and says, "Oh, she's in the boiler room." So, and then according to Viscera, Viscera says she's enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> so I just I got I don't know what's happening. Hey, the um, world's largest love machine, right there. <laughs> oh yeah, a little little foreshadowing. What's yeah. to come? Who knew, man? Oh, but man. T- Taker does give him a warning. He says, "Be very careful." Be very careful. Yeah, so no Shamrock out to be careful. Here. 
as Shamrock runs to the back, yeah. and he ends up finding Ryan in the boiler room. And who else hangs out in the boiler room but mankind is <laughs> <laughs> there protecting her? <laughs> I do appreciate that. Yeah, I love he was just there with her. Uh, so, but of course, the Ministry attacks mankind and Shamrock in the boiler room. So now we've got mankind in this whole thing too. You know now, um, and talk about production value. This was so dark and hard to see. Oh yeah, it was so bad. Um, and some is it taker says, Welcome to the world of the dark, Shamrock. Or it's, it's like <laughs> that really? catchphrase didn't get over. No, the world of the dark. So, um, and you know that things are getting serious here because the ether rag comes back out. The oh, one yeah, that puts people down and it knocks old Kenny out here. And uh, Ryan gets told it's her fault and she's responsible for what's going to happen to her brother now. So, Ryan, it's your fault. What happens to Kenny? Taker actually. Um, grabs Ryan and calls her a slut, which I thought was horrifying. <laughs> 1999, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh man, he says something else in just a minute too that um, yeah, I don't think he meant to say. So, well, dude, we're still talking about the same episode of Raw that started <laughs> with all this with Vince and Shane. You know, my strategy in going through these episodes lately has been to. Uh, sometimes I just watch them blind and I just kind of like see what's happening on there. But when I'm like pressed for time, I'll find someone's recap online and like scroll through and see what stuff yeah. the ministry was in. And the, like these next two episodes, I just keep scrolling. And I think, well, well, that's the end. No, oh, another yeah. segment. No, that's probably the last. Nope, they're in the next segment. Well, that's probably, nope, they're in the next seven segments <laughs> on the show. And this is going to continue because Shamrock has been taken out. He's been knocked out, and he's going to become the next victim of the Undertaker's symbol. And he's been dressed up in the Prince pajamas that we saw Midian in a few <laughs> weeks ago. But before Undertaker can get to Shamrock, he decides that he is going to send a message to Christian again and picks up Christian, starts choking him, and demands that he be symbolized as well, because now the Undertaker has two symbols out there. Yeah, he's got two, man. Two for the must have had a special at symbols, uh, <laughs> symbols, symbols, right. lo, symbols, Hobby Lobby, whatever. Yeah. So, um, but but here's the slip I was gonna say. He mm. says he tells the Edge and Gang girl. He says, "Put him on the cross." And then he says, "No, put him on the symbols." Undertaker, that's Christian. We've got Shamrock is put him on the cross. What? Put him up. Oh, you put him on the symbol. So it's like, okay, it is a cross. So, yeah. Yeah, it's all Bruce Pritchard. He's that. a little Freudian. Exactly, exactly. So, of course, the brood disobey. And they, you know, start to see some dissension here. They fight with the ministry, which is going to allow a distraction enough time for Shamrock to untie himself and mankind to come out. And it's just a huge brawl with everyone. And then probably one of my favorite, <laughs> most zany things to happen. Taker goes over to the brood's, like, entrance hole and, like, stands on it and crouches down and, like, sinks very slowly down into the, <laughs> the stage with, like, smoke around him. And it's so poorly done. I love it. It was like a WCW thing, man. It was it, – it was, I don't know. It was, it was so great. cool. It, just, it was awesome. He just pieces out of there. <laughs> slowly sinks down into the bottom of the stage. It was so stupid. So, you know, you think that's it, right? Yeah, exactly. Nope. That should be it. Nope. Not at all. <sighs> Shamrock's out again. Too much of this. He calls Taker Mark and says, you've continued to get away from me all night. Bring, to, bring yourself to the ring. 
lights go out, Taker appears in the ring right behind him. So we got this this magical, you know, supernatural stuff, which, again, I do appreciate this. He's not 3,000 miles away. He's in the freaking arena. He went under the stage. So we know he's there. So he appears behind him, hammers Shamrock, who reverses, and the crowd gets a big pop here. Of course, the ministry come out and attack Shamrock. We got a little brawl going on here. Then the corporation buddies, Triple H and Big Boss Man, come out to uh, help Shamrock. They take him out of the ring. And then... And then beat him up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Triple H and Boss Man beat Shamrock up, and I guess this is officially Shamrock being kicked out of the corporation. Shane watches from the stage and just smiles at all of this as King and Jr. speculate that oh, this must be Shane's explanation for why uh, Shamrock that that the corporation didn't help Shamrock last week. So officially. Shamrock is done with the corporation. He's a babyface now, going up against the Undertaker on his own. And good lord, man, it's just overkill. Yeah, and if you thought that was a uh, like undigestible amount of content, there's also a separate thread throughout the entire show. This is the episode when Rock and Austin meet on the bridge, and Rock dumps Austin into the river and throws his belt <laughs> in the river. So iconic moment i love it he but throws I, I a like, throws is... your wrestling dummy over the bridge <laughs> yeah yeah that thing that looks so bad <laughs> so but you know another iconic moment from the attitude era i didn't realize it was playing you know parallel the same night as this so yeah that's a good stuff to watch oh man folks Strap in, go grab a drink or something else because we still got another yeah. uh, couple got shows of buildup that we got to cover here before we even get into this match. So I'm going to go grab another one. You grab another one too. <laughs> Here, I'll hop on here and talk about heat real quick. Talk about heat because I didn't watch it. Yeah. All right. So that's going to lead us. I did. To I read about it, but uh, I didn't have time to oh. watch the heat so okay. last night. I just watched the Raws. Yeah, I don't blame you. That's going to lead us to Heat 38 for April 18th, 99. Um, basically, I just want to mention this because Bossman abandons Tess during their handicap match against Shamrock. Um, again, we're talking about Shamrock because he's the opponent for Undertaker here. So he's got a handicap match against Bossman Tess. And then Bossman abandons Tess, leading to more infighting in the corporation. Good heavens. And then Shane books Bossman versus Shamrock in a no-holds-barred match for Raw. Remember that, underline that in your brain, <laughs> highlight it. It's a no-holds-barred match for Raw. Good news is Shamrock's a full-fledged babyface, and that's something positive. I'm going to pull out the pile here. Uh, the Brood, quote-unquote, fresh off the rebellion from past week on Raw, I think according to Kevin Kelly. They face Vistra and Midian, and we even get a little video recapping this mini-feud, which I do appreciate. Yeah. They have like a four-minute video, uh, you know. It's a DQ because the Brood and the Acolytes get involved, and Ministry lay them out, so... That leads us to Raw 308, April 19th, 99. I just wanted to mention that heat because Shamrock is a full-fledged face now. He's got a match with Boss Man on this Raw. That is a no-holds-barred, which means there should be some shenanigans. Yeah, we'll see about that. So on <laughs> Raw, April 19th, 1999, episode 308, The Undertaker orders the Acolytes to destroy the Brood. Now, like you just mentioned, the Brood are off in their little mini-feud with the Ministry, which I think we talked about on last week's show that we thought that would have been a cool thing. And it would yeah. be really cool if it wasn't like the seventh storyline all blended into all this. <laughs> right. It's just overkill. Like, if that was the only thing that was going on here, it'd be awesome. But it's like the 
you know, it's not even the top five most important things that's happening right now. So the Acolytes, uh, they have another hard-hitting match uh, with the Brood, but then (sighs) Shamrock comes in and hits the shot of the night, takes a swing with the Louisville Slugger, and knocks Bradshaw's head right out of the arena, dude. He... Oh. literally smashed him in the head straight across the forehead <laughs> with a bat. I cringed when I saw that. Yeah, it hurt, man. These these guys are not pulling this stuff, man. No. This is some this is some strong style. <laughs> strong style shoot Louisville slugger hit. So it's crazy, man. So again, Taker had ordered them, you know, instructed them. So he's angry backstage and throwing things, taking a page out of Shamrock's playbook. And Barry basically comes to their you know defense. Shamrock came in and and uh, then we get a commercial for the very first pilot episode of SmackDown. So yeah, um, just want to mention that, that there on next week's episode of Talking Taker. Yep. So which I have never ever seen. So we'll talk about that next week. So I know what happens. Never seen it. <laughs> well, during that commercial break, while we were watching that, apparently the Undertaker and Viscera beat down the Acolytes and punished them for what was happening. Which means that the Undertaker would rather align himself with Viscera. <laughs> Instead of Ron Simmons and JBL. Yeah. Think about that for a little while, people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's ridiculous. So, and not that's not the only thing ridiculous here because there's a gravesite and a buried alive setup basically on at Raw for Rock and Austin to tinker with. And Undertaker is not even come near it. Doesn't touch it with a twenty foot pole. The same 30, twenty foot pole that Austin ripped Titan tried down with. That would have been yeah. Doesn't what a it. missed opportunity, man. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, but uh, since you know he's not doing that, Undertaker's got time to give a call to Midian on his flip phone. So I guess that's uh, Midian's speed dial number four on the phone, apparently. Yes. <laughs> he calls, yes. talking to Midian and telling him to get it done. Get it done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mark the cable guy. <laughs> exactly get her done so um, yeah we got shamrock and boss man that no holds bar match remember guys mm-hmm. he shamrock beats him clean no shenanigans nothing no louisville slugger nothing just a clean freaking match and there are never clean match finishes on any of these episodes of raw everything's a dq everything's a running everything's a count out because it's all storyline this match just goes it's a clean win. What's the point of the stipulation? Waste yeah. the time. Um, but Taker wastes no time getting out there with the lights out, and Taker comes on the screen, and he <laughs> asks Kenny. This was so <laughs> like Undertaker's backstage yeah. on the Titan Tron. He's got this purple lighting around him. He's got this cheesy background music. <laughs> it was, yeah. It's so cheap and so silly. Like he's recording yeah. his own YouTube show backstage. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly what it looks like. You know, and so he says he expected Shamrock to be smarter and leave his sister, uh, or excuse me, rather than to leave his sister at a hotel, you know, in Lansing, Michigan, which I guess is outside of Detroit there. And he says that he knows exactly where she is. I'm going to go knock on room uh, 223. So at the mention of that number, Kenny runs off to the back. So I don't know if that's like May 19th for Kane or what, but yeah. room 223 is something there. Yeah. <sighs> um, <sighs> <laughs> I miss Wait. I miss Undertaker building <laughs> caskets and, and cutting cheesy promos on Yokozuna. I, I know. I just want to go back. Oh, I well, don't want Undertaker invite, invading little girls' hotel rooms. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, well, something else that nobody wanted was the main event of the show, which is Big Show versus Viscera. That's the main event <laughs> of the night. Yeah. yeah, technically, yeah, the last match. Yeah, yeah, it's the main event. So, of course, um, right out of the, straight out of nowhere, Undertaker comes out to uh, help. You know, uh, the light because the lights go out and Big as Big Show settles for the choke slam, Taker and Paul Bear come out and. Taker and Show go face to face and trade some blows. They do the little double goozle, choking each other. And Viscera comes to the aid of his big, you know, big uh, ministry leader here. And then Mankind comes out for the save, and he nails Viscera. And again, Mankind and Big Show are going to fight at the pay per view in a couple days. And Taker bells, and Viscera gets taken out by Show and Mankind. And I just wrote, how does this build to this pay per view in six days? It doesn't. It doesn't. But I guess it plants some seeds for stuff down the road. But still, it was unnecessary. Completely completely unnecessary. Way, way, way too much stuff going on here. Yeah, so now we planted the seeds for uh, Taker and Big Show in the counter, who Big Show also hates Vince McMahon. (laughs) Yep. As we established last week on Raw. Oh, man. Again, it goes back to what you talked about before. I guess these guys are all acting like you would think they would react and they would have realistic reactions. But sometimes you just got to... You gotta have the edit button, man. <laughs> you gotta yep. cut stuff out. Uh, focus, focus, focus on one thing. Um, well, that takes us to uh, later on in the night. We get another sit-down interview with Vince Man and Stephanie at the WWF TV studios, hosted by investigative journalist Michael Cole, who asks all the hard-hitting questions as usual, asking him what's going on with Shane. And all that sort of stuff. But this interview gets interrupted by some production agents who run in and say that there's a problem in the parking lot. And Vince starts hustling out, man. He starts screaming, go, 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 go. Take me to him. Come on. Go, 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 go. Go, 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 go. Uh, He knows that the ministry is out there doing something. And so Vince gets out there to the parking lot. And sees Midian out there, and Vince proceeds to just beat the piss out of Midian. It kicks him straight in the balls, man. He unloads on Dennis Knight. It's like he's had all this, like, literal, like, actual anger towards the, the real man, Dennis Knight. And he just unloads. I mean, he is his, this is, and, okay, let's just break this down. In real life, this is this man's boss. Right. Shoot punching him in the head, kicking him in the beans, and like pushing him against the wall. And then he tries to run him over with the car. <laughs> he gets in the car, kicks it in reverse, and tries to back it into Midian. And he ran- runs into the wall, goes to get out. Midian is able to sneak into the car and pull away very quickly. Is that your car you drove in high school? It could be my Cadillac from high school. I'm not sure. My I Cadillac, it was a Cadillac, Cadillac or a Lincoln. I wasn't sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what Midian, Midian style is probably more of the 89 Cadillac. He exactly. seems like a, you know, that's, that's the purity of evil car, I guess. So <laughs> he's not quite as classy. So uh, I guess he had, me- he had one eye on. We had some good memories in that car. Oh, yes. We, yeah, absolutely. So, um, man, anyway, that's, uh, yeah, that's that. And then that's the, that's the go home for this, you know, Ken Shamrock angle is, Vince beating up Midian, so, um, and then Shane ends <laughs> yeah, the show. How we're selling Undertaker <laughs> and Ken Shamrock. <laughs> oh man, that tells you everything you need to know. And also, Shane hits Austin with a shovel in the head at the end of the show. Just FYI, so 
So that takes us to the night of Backlash 1999, the very first Backlash, Backlash in your house. Yeah. The first got, Backlash, the final in got, your house. Yeah, absolutely. We got heat before that. Um, I just want to mention on a serious note, it opens up with a, a memorial for Rick Rude who passed away on Tuesday. So we haven't spoken a lot about Rick Rude on the show. I mean, I know we talked about him when he was in DX, now his on Raw and Nitro at the same time. Yeah. But, I mean, I, th- I think he was only like – 41 or something years old or like 39 right. i mean he was so young man like but he always looked old to me like he looked like he was 45 back then you know, it's just weird like i don't know because 41 is aj styles nowadays you know it's just weird how 41 was so old back then but now it's not so yeah and john cena i think so he's one of those guys like arn anderson or rick flair that's just always yeah. looked old always uh, no matter what jj dylan yeah yeah all those guys but, you know, in all seriousness, it opens up with that. So that's, that's kind of a sad thing. We hate – that's like the 10th death we've had we've talked about on this show. So Yeah, and this um, is only the beginning of this run for the next four or five years where, it, you know, wrestlers were dropping life yeah. flies. So I'm sure we'll have a lot more of that to talk about. The Ministry has something going on tonight, uh, this episode of Heat, right before we get to Raw. And we got them arriving backstage and Prince Albert, as I mentioned I don't know, 10 hours ago we talked about him uh, when Bossman came back. He's about to pierce Brian Christopher's nipple on – yes, let me repeat that. Prince Albert is about to pierce Brian Christopher's nipple, and thank God the Undertaker turns the lights out. The ministry would come out and beat up too much and say that aside from the torture that I'll inflict on Shamrock on the pay-per-view, there will be a most horrible tragedy tonight. So Yeah, remember that. Just, Remember that. Yeah, remember that because there's going to be a most horrible tragedy tonight, and it's not the match we're going to watch. Um, it's something else. So we got more Test Bossman drama as Visceral beats Test after Bossman hits him with a nightstick. So, again, just more corporate corporation ministry infighting, this and that, and Vince and Stephanie arrive in a limo to end the show. And when Vince gets out, he gets a massive pop. I don't really get it. I don't get it. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess it's working. Maybe somehow, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That brings us to backlash in your house, April twenty fifth, ninety nine. I was thirteen years and two days old at this point. So, yeah. yes, you were. Yes, I was. <laughs> right, perfect age <laughs> range for the WWF right now. For some creepy predator date rape stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is uh, a little bit of action on the show before the Undertaker's match. The Brood take on the Acolytes and Midian in the opener on the show, and Viscera ends up interfering to assist the Ministry with that win. Uh, and then Vince, or excuse me, Shane cuts a promo backstage, says he's running things tonight, so Vince and Stephanie can go sit in the skybox and watch the show. Vince tells Shane he thinks he made a big mistake on Raw and hopes he doesn't make another big one tonight. Yeah, because he's the referee for that Austin uh, Rock match. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, and then I just want to before we get into the actual match here, we're going to say that this match for Taker is second from the top again. Just right. showing his importance, regardless of this hokey nonsense BS he's been given and being asked to perform. Oh, something. Speaking of hokey, did you notice that he split his goatee a couple weeks ago on Raw? Yeah. No, like, I don't think goatee I... was like parted down the middle, and he had two like. He had like two horns coming from the bottom oh of it, instead of that one giant like, instead of that one giant like anvil and art horns. So yeah, that's oh man, put that in our chapter of uh, things that have happened here. So anyway, let's get to the match here again. We've said Providence, Rhode Island. I think it's called the Providence Center or something like that. 
Civic Center or something like that? Yes, probably the Civic Center in Rhode Island. So, Well, in addition to that change to his look, he's got a little bit different music coming out, a little bit slower, and doesn't have the chanting or the talking at the beginning of it that we heard at WrestleMania. Yeah. He's Undertaker also doesn't have his robe or anything. He's just coming out in his gear yeah. uh, with Paul Bearer flanking him by his side. And he's got a cool new Titantron video, too. Yeah, I just wanted to – he may have had this. I can't remember how long he's had this now, probably since he's done this ministry stuff. But it's just – I just want to say props to them because it's very cinematic. It's not like everyone else's Titantron video of them beating up each other, beating people up in the ring. His is just him and like this – creepy warehouse temple thing he's got the ancient books he's running his hand across he's got his throne he's got candles he's got his throne on fire it's just really i appreciate the extra touches they put to make him unique again mm-hmm. which is why it takes us off and told us three weeks ago to forget everything you know about him he's just playing character so why would you do that if you're going to invest all this time and money into this extra stuff and put him over as you know set apart from everybody else so I don't get it. <laughs> I don't either, man. <laughs> Let's try to take our minds off it and just talk about the match itself. It's a long one, man. They go on for a long, long yeah. time. Uh, Ken Shamrock does what exactly what he should do. He attacks Undertaker as he's getting in the ring. You know, it's a very yep. personal feud, so he doesn't wait around and do a collar and elbow tie-up. He goes right <laughs> after him. Um, and I appreciate commentary, too, because they're actually analyzing the match here. King and Shamrock are talking about Shamrock needs to take out Undertaker's vertical base. He needs to target his legs there. And I always enjoy when the commentaries take a match seriously and do that. Yeah. And that's what Shamrock is going to do here in the early stages. He's going to throw a lot of kicks to Undertaker's leg uh, and try and take out his base. And with that, we get JR giving us anatomy lesson. He's talking about <laughs> your, you know, he's got your, uh, what's he talking about? Your quadriceps muscle and all this stuff like that. And he's going and saying all this all this stuff about breaking down the anatomy of it and why it hurts and all that stuff. And then King just goes, well, thanks, Dr. Ross. So, and then JR fires back. He's like, I took kinesiology in college. Like, I know something about what I'm talking about. It's like they're actually bantering and bickering on camera or like Dude, on audio. It's thank God JR is back. <laughs> yeah. So with that, you know, um, JR says no one has been as successful attacking Taker's leg as much as Shamrock is here tonight, which I just – uh, Bret Hart was. Yeah, he's he's a master at it. But it's cool because like Shamrock does a sunset flip right into a knee bar on the mm-hmm. leg, and he's working that left leg. He goes on later on to work the right leg. I don't know if he just forgets or if it doesn't matter. He just doesn't care. But because um, usually in wrestling you work the left side, but long section here with leg work. Take her out of the ring. You know, um, he powders out. Ken stomps the ankle on the stairs. Uh, kicks his leg in the ring. It's just a lot of good psychology, actually, if you're breaking this down. But again, if you're if you're a, if you're just a casual fan watching Raw, you're used to two three minute matches to get interrupted by someone's voiceover or someone coming out or a DQ. And now these guys are going to go almost 20 minutes in a pretty psycho like psychology mat wrestling match here. It's definitely a disconnect from what casual fans are used to on Raw. Yeah, I you know I thought the psychology was a little bit weird because. Shamrock's the baby face here. And right. Undertaker is the one who's actually selling the whole match. Shamrock sure. works over Undertaker's leg for a long time. And I don't know. I, I thought this match was probably five minutes too long. Like I said, the beginning yeah. and the middle really drag. And, you know, uh, it's it's not the work's not bad. Like, appreciate what Shamrock's doing. No. Working over the leg. 
But man, like you just said, this crowd is deathly quiet, and mm-hmm. Paul Bearer is even disinterested in it. We don't—he's outside, but he's not doing his thing. He's not trying to stir the crowd up. We don't hardly hear from him at all. Uh, but the crowd starts chanting, "We want Ryan instead," yeah. and I could just imagine this match happening in 2018, and the crowd would be chanting for JBL and CM Punk and be tossing beach balls oh, yeah. around. That's how quiet <laughs> they are, and how much they just don't care about what's happening i feel sorry for the guys yeah i really do man because like, again the match isn't it isn't bad at all like as far as the effort they're putting in and it's not a five-star classic but it's it's good i, it I, picks I, up I recommend the this end. match uh, yeah it picks I up wouldn't. again i wouldn't i recommend to watch it because it's it's good to see shamrock this is probably one of the only times we see them face off you know yeah. i like seeing this I like seeing the match. I like seeing the psychology of it. It's definitely not a five-star classic. I just personally, I think you should go watch it just because of what's about to happen. I'm about to talk about here. Okay. And that is that Taker is going to bust out some new moves, I guess, while he's in the ministry and he's been worshiping Satan. He has been getting some new moves here because we get their apron starting like we're used to. Um, we got the crowd booing after there's an arm bar. But then Taker hits the guardrail and he posts Shamrock against the ring post, throws him back in the ring. Works the lower back, and then he does that move I talked about a long time ago, where he just puts him over his like like a backbreaker and stretches his his, his thighs and his uh, chin out. Gets really lazy two cover, uh, two count, and then he does one of my favorite moves of all time. He does the bow and arrow. Um, and if those perfect. of you don't, yeah, like spot on. Like this was done in a lot of cruiserweight matches on WCW. Um, probably Steve Regal would have done it in WWF. I would imagine probably X Pac. Maybe that's about it though. You're not gonna see it in WWF a lot. A lot of WCW, but it's the you know those of you who don't know what a bow and arrow is, go look it up. It's awesome. I'm sure we'll put a little clip of it or something on our social media. So, and I just love that move, and it hurts for a shoot. My brother did it to me all the time. So I think you and I did it to each other quite a bit too. I'm in sure our we matches. did. <laughs> that was cool. That's when things picked up for me when he put busted yes. the bow and arrow for sure. The Undertaker is working over Shamrock's back here. Um, Undertaker goes for a leg drop, but Shamrock ends up catching the leg and reversing that into a that that leg bar uh, that he's been working over yeah. this whole match which like that spot sh- that was a cool spot it surely got a huge pop but this crowd could not care less about things and then undertaker counters the leg lock into his own little half crab which i think we saw him do <laughs> yeah. against stone cold steve austin last year at some point but still yeah, not, you're you don't right. see that too often it was cool for undertaker to bust it out you know these guys are trying yeah. but the crowd's not giving them anything Exactly. That's why I recommend it, just to see the difference in like his style. He's he's actually doing like a a mat wrestling match, you know, kind of like he'd done with Brett before. But I just I appreciate the effort that he's putting into it to to show some new stuff. And but I do hate it. The crowd is not into it like they should be. Again, there's so much hokey BS that we've been dealing with the last four weeks on Raw. So I don't blame him for sure. And then something else is kind of weird. I don't know if it's just a matter of calling it in the ring or whatever, but they go to like throw each other into the ropes several times and there's all kind of miscommunication and Taker hits him for a shoot in the face with a big boot. <laughs> I mean, he goes down, Kenny goes down hard, man. And then you can see them as they're covering each other for pinfalls. They're trying to hide their, you know, they're talking underneath, you know, their hair, putting their elbow on their face, but you can hear them talking, like discussing things. And I don't know what's said, but there's a little bit of awkwardness right there. And, um, I don't know. It just got, got kind of weird. But then there's a lot of reversals. We get our ankle lock. And then our boy with the Louisville Slugger runs down. Yeah, this time it's Bradshaw running down with a baseball bat. 
So Shamrock's distracted. He's got Undertaker into the ankle lock after a series of reversals. But Shamrock has to go fight off Bradshaw, but it doesn't phase Shamrock. He uh, turns around into a choke slam, but reverses it into an armbar. Then yeah. Bear gets on the apron and distracts old Kenny. And Kenny knocks him down, goes and hits a belly-to-belly suplex on Undertaker. So Shamrock's looking like Superman here. He's fighting off mm-hmm. everybody. But <laughs> Shamrock makes a fatal mistake here. He goes... Shamrock tries to set up his own tombstone, but Undertaker counters and ends up getting the pin off of his tombstone. So not a smart yeah, he, move by Shamrock. No, it's because his finisher is that belly to belly. He finishes everybody off with it, but Taker gets right up out of it. And so like, this is the part, I'm, I'm not sure if they were having discussions on how to end it or what the finish was or who forgot something. Cause it is kind of, the ending comes out of nowhere. Like mm-hmm. you think the belly to belly would be a, a, a like a, a, you know, a, a near fall or something like that, but it's not, he just gets up and go, Goes to try to do a, a body slam or whatever on Taker and Taker versus Tombstone gets a pinfall at 18 minutes and 53 seconds and it's just I don't know it was weird but then you know Taker kind of gets out and gives Bradshaw the the Iggy or the go ahead and says you know have at it so he comes in and just beats up Shamrock power bombs him chokes him with the baseball bat like Raven used to or Sandman used to do with the kendo stick and um, I just want I just want to know where Farouk is and all this. He's helping out his pal. Yeah, I guess they're just setting up Bradshaw for some sort of singles run here and setting them up for a match next month. Couldn't be more blatant here. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's poor Farouk getting left out of the, this deal. Yeah, for real. So, but just like his episodes of Raw, ladies and gentlemen, it's not over yet. This match was second from the top. We oh, still no. got a main event to go. <laughs> And then there's something else that happens. Yeah. So the main event is The Rock and Austin yet again. Ends up with Vince kind of seemingly committing or, or continuing this babyface turn as he ends up hitting Shane with Stone Cold's Smoking Skull belt, allowing Austin to defeat The Rock. And Vince returns the Smoking Skull belt to Austin in the ring. So, again, think about that. Vince has usually been with Stephanie this whole time. But he's gone out to deal with Shane. And so now he is in the arena dealing with Stone Cold and Shane and The Rock. And Stephanie is alone in the limousine outside the arena talking to security. And you may already be figuring out where this is going. Yes. So we got her back there. And this is the part I've been waiting for this whole build up, man. I just I thought it came a lot earlier than this, but I've been waiting for this. This is my favorite part of this whole entire sexual predator build is <laughs> uh is what's about to happen. So the ministry come outside and the cops instead of like fighting them or tasing them, they just tell the limo driver to leave. They're like, Oh, get out of here, get out of here. So the limo driver leaves and then what do you know? We have a camera with a live feed inside the limousine facing the front window of <laughs> the limo. Just, How convenient. How convenient. So, but anyway, so we cut to the camera inside the back of the limo. Stephanie's like, no, wait, wait, wait for Vince. Wait for dad. Of course, the window rolls <sighs> down. Undertaker does his dramatic turn. He's And he delivers a lot. I've been waiting for this whole time. Where to, Stephanie? So. <laughs> exactly. Oh, an iconic moment. No doubt about yes. it. Yes. It's so goofy and so cheesy. But guess what? I'm okay with it. Like this yes. is what this is the silliness and and stupid. Like this is the equivalent of Undertaker building coffins. He kidnapping yes. Stephanie. He's being evil about it. I'm yes. good. I, I don't know. I, I guess he's still kidnapping her and taking her to somewhere 
very to do bad things with her. But yeah. uh, I don't know, man. Maybe room two twenty three with Ryan. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Oh, so, uh, no. he's yeah. We don't know where he's taking her, but I'm never gonna yeah, think of that I, the same again. I, I love this part though. Yes, yeah, I've been waiting for this whole time, man. Whole time. <sighs> but no, you know there what? it is. There it is. Yeah, we've covered Iron Taker and Ken Shim right now, and it's gonna lead to quite the segment on tomorrow night's episode of Raw as Undertaker has kidnapped Stephanie and is going to finally try to make her his bride. <sighs> oh, yes. Yeah. I Can't wait for that. All I can say is I'm glad to be done with this month uh, of storyline. I'm sure the next month is going to frustrate me as well, but I'm glad to be done with this. I, I can't recommend this match, man. I, I don't think it was... All that guy. The the last five minutes were good, but I yes. don't think you need to go watch it. And to me, this is like the third in a row Undertaker match that I would not recommend, along with WrestleMania and Buried Alive. So, yeah, this has not been the best stretch for me. But uh, yeah, w- w- you say it is worth watching. I say watch it just because it shows some differences in his arsenal. I guess you could say it shows he's doing something else. He's trying. Um, God bless him. That that crowd didn't want it. They just should have gone home five minutes early. Taker could have eaten the yelling backstage if they had gone home early. You know, <laughs> he's he's got an immune to that stuff. But, but anyway, yeah, I just recommend it for that. Not it's definitely not a good match. I just I think it's cool to see him pull out some new tricks and just see how Ken Shamrock kind of stands toe to toe with him reversing this stuff and has him has Taker in the back battle for a lot of the match. You know, he's in the cell so. But it is weird. Uh, I know, whatever. It's not a five-star classic. Not even a three-star classic, but whatever. Anyway. Well, we want to hear what you think. We're kind of split on it, so let us know what you think on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Talking Taker. Uh, you can also subscribe or leave a comment on iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, Google Play, or Stitcher as well. And, of course, the best thing you can do is just to... Let your friends know. Uh, retweet, share the podcast with your fellow wrestling fans and let them know about it. Let them know you're enjoying it. We see you out there when you're commenting and uh, replying and letting us know. It means a lot to us and we do greatly appreciate all of you for sticking around throughout all of this muck and mire and madness and all of this ridiculousness with the ministry. Uh, we're trying to do our best and have fun with it. So we're going to continue yes. on to <laughs> next week as we cover another UK exclusive pay-per-view. So we're actually going to cover No Mercy, UK edition from May of 1999 and another hopefully fun match that we've never seen before. We'll also cover the yes. first edition, uh, the pilot episode of SmackDown on next week's show as well. So I'm sure it'll be another jam-packed fun show. Uh, I just want to mention that episode of um, – we're going to – the episode of – uh, we're gonna cover that. Uh, no, no mercy or whatever. It's gonna have lots of ministry on that episode, on that uh, pay per view. So, <laughs> the ministry Can't matches wait. galore. Good thing we're not covering all the ministry matches. But anyway, yeah. Um, yep, it's all good. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you were there at Providence Civic Center this night, if you were there um, for this pay per view, uh, backlash the last in your house. Let us know. And other than that, ladies and gentlemen, take her easy.
God. Oh God. Oh God.